to work actually the podcast that delves into the reality behind different jobs and careers i'm kate and i've got a really special episode today i absolutely love the fact that i get to speak to brilliant interesting and really passionate people as part of this podcast and each one inspires me in different ways And this week is absolutely no exception and even more special as I had the pleasure of interviewing my dad, Bob. Now, before retiring, my dad was a news journalist for most of his career and for many years specialised in the craft of obituary writing. He did this mainly for BBC TV news, but also BBC online and on radio and also freelance at different national newspapers. And it's a career that's often really misunderstood. Firstly, many people might not know what an obituary is. For the record, it's an article or a report offering an account of a person's life who's died. So here in the UK, our media tends to feature obituaries, or obits for short, on famous people who die. So you can read about them in an obit section of a newspaper. Or when you watch the news, you hear a report and see footage taking you through the highlights of someone's life. So where people might think it's a bit of a depressing area of journalism, you'll actually learn in this chat that it's completely the opposite. So as a journalist who used to be on the radio, my dad's actually really good at being recorded and interviewed and I think he brings it to life really nicely. So I hope you like it. I really enjoyed the chat and hopefully you'll come away with a new appreciation for the obituary. Let me know what you think. You don't get many people that say they want to be an obituary writer when they grow up, do you? No, you don't. But then that's probably because they have... uh, Is it a dead-end job? uh, uh, Is that the way this interview is going to go? I hope so. Maybe. Yeah. Um, Well, I think, think, seriously, I think people don't really think about it too much as a a job in itself. It's something that, that you sort of do when you've done your journalist training but it's a specialism in journalism yeah exactly but I have had email correspondence with a few people in the years that I was doing it uh, who wanted to know how to get into doing it Mm. it's nice to have you on the pod dad it's a pleasure to be here (laughs) I'm glad I had you on because um Obituary writing, obviously you were an obituary writer for 25 years or so. And I remember growing up, you'd say, what do your mum and dad do? And I remember, I don't know whether it's just something young people do. You want to fit in. But I wished for a while that you were sort of like an accountant or a builder or something that my friends did. Because no one ever knew what it meant. Obviously said sent you to the wrong school Kate. yeah no one ever knew what it meant and but then the other side of the coin is because you worked at the BBC and television center I used to obviously get to go with you and see famous people and that was really fun <laughs> I seem to remember also you pressing an important button on a, an important obit actually one of the best yeah. I ever did Do you yeah that? we'll get into that definitely okay. but it's an intriguing career isn't it because I think one People don't necessarily know what it is. And two, when they know what it is, they have the wrong perception. They think it's really morbid. Um, So when someone says to you, what did you do as your profession? You're retired now, but what did you do? How do you explain it? Well, I I just say I was a news journalist because, to be honest, obituaries in broadcasting terms are just another news item on the news. So it actually... Although it's a specialism within it, I was still a news journalist. And also I did other things other than obituaries, but, you know, I I was a news journalist of which news obituaries was part. But how did you then segue into, because you became head of obituaries, didn't you? That was your job. You you might have done other news items at times, but that was the kind of bulk of your work. That, That was the bulk of my work, yeah, yeah. So how what, is that because you, you ended up doing some obituaries and thought, actually, I quite like this? Um, it, it's sort of like that. I was working for a TV news agency, and one of the jobs I had was collecting footage of people either for profiles or if they died. Uh, in In that way, people could then throw this stuff together quickly, write a script around it, and... Uh, that became an obituary. Well, 
the BBC were looking for somebody because uh, an important politician called Neil Kinnock, who nearly became prime minister, but he was involved in a car crash. Uh, in fact, he was very lucky to, to get out of it unscathed when you look at the actual wreckage. And they didn't have an obituary for him. And, and there were lots of other people in that category too for whom they didn't have an obituary. So they advertised for it. Actually, it was called profiles rather than obituaries. So obituaries were part of it because the other part of the job was if you were doing a news item uh, about a certain either person or issue, they often would, in those days, want to have a secondary package, which was a bit more explanatory to give it more context. So I was doing stuff like that. And then news became much harder, so they didn't have room for stuff like that. But uh, that's how I got into it. And uh, yeah, stayed there for 18 years. What what made it okay for me, because I was getting a bit bored after a few years, but then the internet came along and suddenly... BBC had a news website, so I was able to write obituaries as well as produce TV and radio obituaries, and that opened up a whole new dimension, and that enabled me, after I left the BBC, to carry on writing them for newspapers like The Guardian and The Times and The Independent. Just explain, though, when I said, what do you, how do you explain it when someone asks? Sometimes people don't know what an obituary is. How do you yeah, explain well, exactly what it is? An obituary obviously goes out after a person has died. It's uh, partly biography. It tells you the story and you enliven it with anecdotes, stories about the person to to make it three-dimensional and give it a bit of colour. So Mm. that's what an obituary is. Uh, It's very much a different kettle of fish between a broadcast obituary and a written one, mainly because the the broadcast one actually has to go out on the day the person dies. Yeah, you're not going to watch an obituary on TV three days after they die. Exactly, whereas you could easily read an obituary three weeks or three months after someone has died in a newspaper. And that also entails differences in the way you do it because if you're broadcasting something on the day someone dies you're not going to be too judgmental and too uh, you know um, talk about their faults as well you've got to bear in mind that there's people family and friends whose loved ones has just died whereas if you're doing an obituary that goes out several days later you can be a bit more appraising of that person, uh, Mm. suggesting what mark this person had on people's lives, inspirations, all all that sort of thing. And the other thing you've got to remember is that an obituary is not the same as a news item suggesting, telling someone that someone's died. You know, no. uh, let's take a current one, you know, Dame Deborah James, who sadly just yeah, funny died. enough, I'm actually just wearing her T-shirt, oh, yes. Rebellious Hope, that I bought because yeah. the funds went to um, bowel cancer. Yeah, well, you see, it, it, a news item about her death would, you know, would be, you know, she died at home uh, with her in her parents, her house, uh, surrounded by family and friends, all, that, all yeah. that sort of thing. Whereas an obituary is not about death, it's about her life. All about what she did. Uh, she was a deputy head teacher, wasn't she? And then she she got cancer. Then did the uh, the podcast, yeah, the... Bow Babe, and all, all that sort yeah. of stuff will come in the obituary. Um, uh, so it's obituaries are about people's lives. It's not about death. Death might. And I be think the, that's the misconception, the isn't it? That people think yeah, it's about death. Exactly, and I think that's why a lot of young people don't want to go into obituaries because they think it's about death. And why should a young person think about death? Mm. But I think when I used to go, you obviously for the BBC did obituaries for the website and you would do them for TV news. So that means preparing them in advance. So you'd have a list there of people that, you know, you kind of had to do. And that might be because they're getting older. Or I remember being there when Kylie Minogue announced she had breast cancer because of how famous she is and the position the BBC is in. You have to have something prepared in case the worst happens. 
Some people are surprised the fact that you have to prepare obituaries in advance. Well, I can tell you for a fact that the BBC has hundreds, the radio has even more, but newspapers have thousands. Um, mm. In TV, because you have to do it on the day, it means that, for example, let's take a, a film star. If, I, if I'm doing a film film star, I, I've got to choose a number of film clips that best represented him or her. Uh, and that means going through a lot of videos and choosing the best lines and so on. Mm. And then in the old days, you, you didn't have, you know, videos, DVDs. You had to, you, you know, you had to get some film that would, would yeah. be li lying in a warehouse in Rotterdam or something. And uh, by the time you got hold of it and by the time you've written the thing and, and put it all together, it could take three days. It doesn't mm. take that so long now because you just you know stick a dvd or or go yeah exactly or go to the library but you never did it in that kind of era of youtube did it no, that's kind of game -changing, I, was, really. I was pre youtube but but i i actually did uh, i was still doing it in the age of dvd and so if you didn't get the if you didn't have the film clip say in the bbc library you could go just go out and buy the dvd and there are copyright implications but generally speaking there's this thing called fair dealing whereas if you're doing for example the victory of a, of a film star um the film companies are not gonna you know are not gonna mm. tell you off her for doing that because it's in their interest you know the only um exception to that are the small european companies who actually their living depended their existence depended on people like me using clips you know of of their mm. their european films which w would be quite expensive but you know depending but how you would, serious they are you would then sit and go through i mean and like you said for a movie star that's had a long career that's quite a long time consuming job because you'd probably have an idea of right we know this was their biggest films we have a snip snippet of this or we know they said this in this speech or there was a little bit of controversy here so we'll bring this bit in but it's quite hard then to know I guess a lot of the job then was like just set, quite enjoyable sitting through watching footage I remember uh doing Marlon Brando's obituary and there were so many great films that he made you know mm. it, it might start you know they'd be on the waterfront you know there'd be Apocalypse Now, The Godfather. I mean, you, you, you know, the, the Wild Ones. I mean, there were yeah. so many great films that he made. And in the end, it, it boiled down to what you thought. And and you you would talk to the, uh, you know, the entertainment correspondent or whatever, and you'd decide between you. And then there, there's some great famous clips that, you know, if, if, in The Godfather, if you didn't have that bit where he says, I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse, you know, yeah. or, or in, on the waterfront, uh, I want to be a, I want to be, be a, a contender. contender. Yeah. You, you know, if you didn't put those in, mm. you, you, people would think it was odd. So uh, even though you might not think they're the best clips, they're certainly the most representative of him. And, and, you know, that, that, that was one of the great things about doing the job is to get to see all these films and you know with Kylie Minogue you you mentioned her then you decide on what video clips to use you know and mm. uh, that meant uh, yeah you know when you made a lot of records and then you've got to have a bit with her and um, and Jason you know as the acting side thankfully Kylie was fine so it never ran yeah and I remember being there once and, and Britney shaved her head at you know and that was at the height of her fame quite a kind of precarious situation where you're thinking god is this person okay and of course then there's a little bit of urgency then isn't it no one has died but because of how famous they are and the obligation a channel like well, the BBC has they have to be prepared or you have to have something prepared yeah well Britney is fine but Paula Yates there was somebody who yeah who was, was really famous a precarious life she was famous then and uh yeah um and she did die yeah so 
Um, yeah, what 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 you tend to do in that situation when they're quite young like that is that you don't actually write the script or anything. You just have a lot of important uh, footage of her ready at hand, so that if anything did go wrong, then and, and they did die, then then you could throw it together very quickly. But for most of the time, I, I did complete packages. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting is you have this list and it obviously you add to it, you add to it, you do the obits and they sit then until someone dies. But then you have to then go through the process of updating them if they haven't died for again. And then they do more things. Or if you think of the the royals, you know, having to prepare them. The the classic one of that was the Queen Mother. She lived to be, I think, 100, was it? 101. And um, her obituary had been well prepared since she was probably quite young and that got updated and and they you can't keep sort of tacking stuff on there's times when you just have to start from scratch again oh really yeah 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 i mean i must have done the queen mother's obit goodness how many times and then also you see when when a big person like the queen mother and 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 indeed the queen uh as well um you don't just do one obituary. You first of all, depending on on what time of day and all the rest of it, um, programs might want a, a ten minute version. They might want mm. a half hour version. They want might want a, something in between. Um, and so you you do all these different versions of an obituary. But then, as well as the straight, you know, she was born at an early age and then she died, sort of that sort of thing. You also do you know uh, other packages like you know the queen and commonwealth you know the, right. the queen and horse racing or, and that still know, that comes under obituary oh yeah yeah it all came under my aegis yeah mm. because another example i can think of is someone like nelson mandela where he obviously lived until a really good age but the bulk of his story is inevitably going to be about apartheid about his imprisonment on robin island and that is going to make up probably 80 percent of the obituary so well you say that and and in terms of uh, a newspaper or something online yes but the problem you have with tv is you need pictures and of course when he was in robin island uh, there weren't any pictures oh, of him. Right, I think yeah. There were a couple of photos of him. But then you, you went out there, over. didn't you? You well, went I, and did interviews with guards I, and things. Yeah, well, I did um, Nelson Mandela's obit, but I also did, as I mentioned with the Queen, you, you you do lots of packages that go round it. You know, we we did a package on his his legacy. Uh, oh. We did a package on how he was regarded at the time. I remember interviewing like a, a white school teacher who was, you know, because of the censorship, she believed he was a terrorist, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of white people did. And then you've got other people in black communities who he was a great hero. And you've got all these different shades of opinion. And um, that made it quite an interesting piece, really. Mm-hmm. Because you do get you did get to travel sometimes, didn't you, in order to get those perspectives to add to the obituary? Yes, and um, uh, it, it. I mean, the Mandela one was a good example of 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 getting people there, the real people as opposed to just politicians. Um, yes, I remember a colleague of mine going out to Rome to do a thing. I, I went to South Africa also to to do lots of obituaries on South African freedom fighters, um, people who had also been imprisoned with Nelson Mandela. Mm. Uh, I went to the to America to find, you know, to our Washington office to find uh, uh, footage on people who, uh, who whose, uh, you know, film stock in, in our library wasn't as good, that sort of thing. You know, it's, mm. it, it, it is all about getting pictures for TV. Yeah. There's loads of interesting things around obituary writing, isn't there? Because your professional satisfaction is obviously sitting there making it, watching it. And I sat there, like you said, for and when I was younger, and we made Muhammad Ali's together, which was really fun, and Gene Kelly. But of course, you then have to wait to see it go mm. out, don't you? Because 
you you have to wait for them to die and and obviously you don't want anyone to die but it's this weird paradox of you don't actually get to see your work go live until they do and and then of course when they do you're like a kind of weird weird satisfaction in that oh, it, it, yeah, it is weird is because it's very exciting when somebody whose obit you've done dies it was it was very exciting god yeah i've got it got it and, and you feel great because you know the the news desk rings up and say bob have you got an obit and i say yeah yeah got it obit <laughs> and then of course um after a while you you think oh gosh you know that's really sad but yeah the sadness doesn't hit you until you know several hours afterwards or and while it's going out you suddenly think god yeah yeah but then I wish I'd, I'd been with person. you I've been with you where we've been on holiday and you're like, oh my God, the Pope's got a urine infection or or someone has died, but you're not there to see it go out because you can't get BBC there or or you haven't maybe updated it to the point where you should have done because you can't do everyone all the time. Well, <laughs> I remember, you will remember when we were skiing. And, and the Pope. We knew the Pope was on on his last legs because he'd been very ill for a, for quite a long time. And I and um, the uh, religious correspondent had interviewed, for example, the Archbishop of Canterbury and the uh, Archbishop of Westminster, who the, the, the Catholic one, and mm. all in preparation. And these interviews would run only in a few days' time because we knew that he was on death's door. And then we went skiing, and I was, I was on a ski lift, and my phone rang. And I got this guy uh, from the news desk saying, look, the Archbishop of Canterbury says that you agreed that his interview wouldn't go out until the Archbishop of Westminster's go out. And I said, what? You know, it's the first I'd heard of it. You know? <laughs> I, I mean, I could understand his point point of view, but it's not something I actually okay, I said, you know, okayed. And you mm. get these weird things sort of around a bit through yeah the politics of it all exactly uh, and that leads me actually onto the question of and I can't remember I'm sure I've asked this before of what happens when someone catches wind that you're making their obituary have you ever had that where someone's someone uh, famous as as or, or do they try and sway it like oh don't include this or include this or no, I've never had that. If I did that, I'd just ignore it. You know, I've I've heard of people. Uh, I remember there was one obituary editor of the Times, I think it was, who uh, some businessman sent him his biography <laughs> written by himself, uh, <laughs> saying all the nice things about him. You know? <laughs> and uh, he said, "I would like." you to put this into my obituary <laughs> the person, he? no he threw it in the bin straight yeah. away you know. yeah but but didn't someone once introduce you to tony blair and say this is bob he's written your obituary yeah well that, that's right well um tony blair's uh sort of press man a guy called lance price who i used to work with who he left the bbc as a correspondent to become uh tony blair's um one of his age and uh yeah I, he in, in tony blair came to a big press thing and uh <laughs> and answered oh here's this bob chorney he's written your obituary and tony blair looked absolutely shocked and said i wish i hadn't known that <laughs> <laughs> um but i don't i don't know of anybody who i mean that there, there are uh, politicians know that they're gonna have an obituary written mm. about them if they're you know like their prime ministers or they you know, I mean, I remember in interviewing Tony Benn once, mm. who's a Labour politician, and I was interviewing him about another Labour politician called Eric Heffer, who we knew was uh, had in uh, a terminal cancer. And when I did the interview, Tony Blair, Tony Benn said, "I'm going." I rec he he recorded it you know, the audio of it. And he said, I'm going to send this to Eric, you know, <laughs> because he'd said nice things about him. And I mm. thought, my God, I want, I don't, he must know Eric very well because I wouldn't send somebody <laughs> something I've just written about them when they haven't died. In fact, it took Eric F a whole year to die. Do you, so, do you interview people 
in the way as if someone has already died. Do you say, so what did you think about them? Like almost in the past tense, even though they hadn't died. Well, I can tell you something, Kate, is that if there are friends or family, they would not do it. Mm. They think it's bad form. They don't want to tempt fate. And yeah. uh, they, they, there's just no way they would do it. And you, so you don't ask them. It's also quite insensitive, I think. Yeah. The only people who will do that are pundits or um, academics, you know, pe- or journalists, people who've, who've written about the, the subject, you know. They're, they're quite happy to do it. But uh, mm. anybody really close to them, there's no way. I wouldn't want to either. They... I remember. I remember when uh, George Harrison the, from the Beatles was was again. We knew he was on death's door, and uh, I remember trying to interview a lot of rock stars like Eric Clapton and Joe Brown and all these people who knew him very well. And uh, th- there's just no way they would do it. Mm. Yeah, no, and I don't blame why. them. I don't blame them. No, I don't either. Um, Another interesting area that you've been asked about a lot, because I think you even talk about it when you've done lectures and things, is when two famous people die on the same day. Oh, like yeah. how do how does it get covered? Because a channel like the BBC or any any media has to prioritize and they don't have space for everything because other things are going on in the world. So how do you devote the coverage that's deserved and how do you pick? Yeah, well, that's that's entirely up to the news editor on the day and it can vary I give remember, an example well I, I the one that comes to mind was um alec sir alec guinness mm. one of our most famous actors died and that was a big story i think it ran top story on the one o'clock news and then later in the day Robin Day, who was a stalwart of, of television news interviewing, you know, mm. uh, you a lot of younger people won't remember him, but he was a huge figure, and he died. Um, in the end, they ran top for the six o'clock, I think, or the ten o'clock news. I can't remember which. Uh, they put Robin Day first, and Alec Guinness last, having already put Alec Guinness at the top earlier in the day. Day, he, died, he died first, yeah. But didn't and Mother the, Teresa... The, 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 hang on, the, the, there was one really funny occasion when I had done, this is back in the early 90s, I had done a, an obit of a, a, an actor and theatre director, I won't mention his name, and um, it was supposed to run on the one o'clock news, last item, which obits usually, often are. And uh, there was a political interview going on and it overran and my obit got knocked off the end, so it didn't run. And then at six o'clock, it was due to run again. But then another actress called Peggy Ashcroft, who was more famous, I suppose, Mm. um, she died. So the other one that I'd done never never ran in the end. It's sad, isn't it? (laughs) But didn't Princess Diana and Mother Teresa die on the same day? Uh, no, I think no. no I but was think, it Anthony um, Minghella? No, I, no, no. Mother Teresa, I think, uh, died on the day of Diana's funeral, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And probably overshadowed quite a bit. It's quite sad when that happens, isn't it? Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned Diana. Uh, we were in Spain. Do you remember? Yeah. That? And that's one of those ones where, yeah, because she's royal, you'd have something prepared, but obviously yeah, hugely I, unexpected. But but I had, by sheer luck, updated her obituary six weeks before she died, and it mm. was fine. Mm. And uh, I think the only thing that wasn't on there was her campaigning against landmines. But, you know, that, that wasn't essential. And, uh, yeah, it ran. And um, I remember ringing up the... Uh, I, we were in Spain, and I m- remember ringing up the BBC news room and saying, um, "You know, how was it going?" And then uh, the woman said, that, "Oh, Peter Sissons was really pleased because it was ten minutes. It meant he could go out and have a pee." Oh yeah, God, <laughs> that's quite a funny. So I mean, people might think that's insensitive, but actually, it's the reality of a news room, really, isn't it? Yeah, of course. And I mean, I mean, you know, I've done obituaries of, of really f- 
famous actors like Rod Steiger and George C. Scott, who both won um, Oscars, and they didn't run. And do you know why? It was because the young news editor of mm. that day had never heard of them. Yeah, I remember you saying that to me before. Mm. Have you ever um, had an obit run too early where they actually haven't died? <laughs> Thankfully, no. But um, <laughs> obituaries have often been published of people who hadn't died. I can give you some examples. There was, uh, well, going back in, in into history, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, if you, you know, one of our most famous poets, mm. he his obituary was broadcast because he was found hanged in Hyde Park, except it wasn't him. Uh, he was thought to have been hanged because he was wearing a shirt with his name tag in it, but the shirt had been stolen <laughs> and the thief had hanged himself. Uh, then Robert Graves, the author, was thought to have been killed in the Battle of the Somme in the First World War, but he, in fact, uh, he wasn't. Because um, it's harder to Rudyard, get it wrong now. Yeah, Rudyard Kipling, he, he, he's his um, obituary was was broadcast. Uh, sorry, not mm. broadcast. It was published, and uh, he wrote to the editor of the newspaper saying, "Please delete me from your list of subscribers." You know, um, yeah. No, I'll give you another couple. Um, Dave Swarbrick, who used to play violin in, in the Fairport Convention, he he got very bad emphysema, and uh, he he was uh, his obituary ran, and uh, he hadn't died, and he said, "That's not the first time I've died in Coventry," <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And Alice Cooper, <laughs> uh, he, his obituary ran in a, in a music magazine and he uh, he contacted the editor saying, no, I'm alive and drunk as usual. <laughs> He's not even dead now, is he? No. No. Mm. <laughs> mm. Obituary is really funny because here we put emphasis on, like, quite culturally, we put emphasis on famous people in newspapers and broadcast. But in... America and other cultures, they actually do run obituaries in local papers of local people with interesting lives, don't they? Which I think is really, really nice because, and I think this might be why I am do this podcast, your influence, and mum obviously worked with families, family therapists, and just the interest in, in people mm. and everyday people because people, there are extraordinary people all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Um, the thing about America, being such a huge country, they only have... Uh, three or four newspapers that actually uh, are uh, go national, you know, yeah. things like Washington Post, New York Times, and yeah. uh, that that sort of thing. But um, so most people read their local newspapers, and so the obituaries there um, would be, you know, it might be a baggage handler at Dallas Airport, or the woman <laughs> who ran the PTA for fifty years, you know, or. Mm a local hiker that everybody knew or, or you know, a poet, something, you know, a, a ordinary people, as you say, mm. um, and and anybody who's had very interesting lives. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and that's great, and uh, I like it. And uh, their style is very different to our written obituaries. Um, the style, they quote people all the time, you know, their friends, relatives, mm. you know, that sort of thing. Um, whereas our style in in, in this country is is, uh, is just to keep it narrative, to so the flow, you know, so it flows um, mm. more. But um, but yeah, uh, I, I enjoy reading American obituaries. They they usually they're usually quite um, folksy and and always uh, always have a good story behind them, and they're, yeah. they're such good writers as well. You know, and mm. that's one thing about obituaries is that you get a chance in obituaries to let yourself go a bit and not be constrained by you know too many the, the, the you know restrictions that that news writing offers. You know, and they give you a whole page for a start. You know, they don't give as many pages as they used to, but um, it means that you can you can let yourself go. You know. You can be a bit of a novelist in in obituaries. It's a bit weird as you get older being an obituary writer where you kind of, you know, it's old people, I guess, most of the time. And then as you're getting older, you're like, oh, yeah, they, they're not that far from me. <laughs> yeah, thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> well, I'll I tell you one thing, though. Um, 
I've often read obituaries and even written them and thought, God, I wish I'd known that person. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. What, knowing them personally or yeah, knowing about yeah. them? Yeah. No, knowing them personally. Mm. Um, because when you write a newspaper obituary, you, well, I, I interview as many people as I can. You know, it could be up to a dozen people just getting different angles, different stories. And, um, and yeah, you, you become, a sort of a part of it for a for a day yeah. or so, and uh, you you think, oh yeah, what a what an inspiring person, or you know, mm. isn't that wouldn't that have been lovely if I met him or her, you know, when I was doing this or that, you know, it's 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 great to to do that, and I, I, that's one of the great joys about writing them. But I think there's something interesting about that because I think we love obituaries because we, especially in this cult country as in it's famous people you read about you see on the news because we see them doing something great or important or poignant in that story and most people don't really reach maybe the same heights today so you're kind of living through their life you're enjoying it's like watching high level sport and knowing you're never going to get to that but you experience it through it don't you and it's a bit like you just mentioned before Deborah James, the work she's done weirdly in death as she as she's been doing the work she's done is that's more than a lot of people do in their whole life. And so it is so inspiring. And that's probably where you feel yeah. it as well when you're making it, because you get so inspired by what people can achieve. Yeah. And I think that if you get anything from reading about people's lives and being inspired, yes, of course course you're not going to reach the heights that they do you don't necessarily have either the talent or the opportunity but there are certain things that you might be able to do that are as a result of reading about somebody Mm. uh, who's inspired you you might you know you that's something that you've been thinking about doing for a hell of a long time now's the time to do it if you're inspired by it or to try other things to try and uh improve your life and uh, widen your horizons um and uh you know it might be in very small ways but uh, if if you can be inspired to do something by an obituary that's great yeah is that why you ran all those marathons well i i thought that might have something to do with it (laughs) it it it, it might be why i decided to go on that trip to africa Mm. where we drove drove a four by fours all all that way to to the to west africa from from the uk but you know i i I was thought about it Uh, should i do it uh and i thought yeah well for god's sake you know why not yeah yeah definitely Mm. what i was going to say what did you love about being an obituary writer but i think you've kind of said it but you even wrote a novel and the main character was an obituary writer so you obviously had a huge influence on you and you loved well, it t- actually the, the in my novel little black trains the 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 two main characters were obituary writers they they meet on a train mm. so that's how they get to know each other the difference between them uh well the, the french philosopher voltaire once said that you know, to the living you owe respect, to the dead you owe the truth. And one of the two main characters takes it very literally, um, and he insists on putting the truth about the people he writes. And he wrote about the sort of people that we're talking about, the Americans write about, ordinary people, not not, not necessarily famous ones. Mm. But he would put things in, I mean, when when you write a bit, there's certain dilemmas that you have sometimes uh you would you for example put the the fact that they've got a criminal record you know um, yeah and what crimes they committed and if people Uh, knew because people might not know about it yeah well exactly and what about you know putting someone's sexuality when they haven't come out say Mm. you know and this hadn't come out to their family exactly yeah um and things like that and uh you know, do you mention that wife that, that where the marriage only lasted one year and she ran off with all his money? You know that that sort of thing, and, and which is going to upset the the people who mm. who the family of of, of the subject. So, um, and he 
insist on putting all that in and and that of course causes all a load of trouble and and uh, well I won't give it away you'll have to read it yeah it's a good I have read it it's good <laughs> I always recommend it for people listening that are thinking god I really want to not just get into journalism but this sounds like such a fascinating area of journalism I'd love to be in I mean talk a bit about your route but also maybe what you would recommend because it, it's a different world journalism now to to the one when you started but I guess qualifications is quite similar still well I think go to journalism school um, get experience have a, an interest in people if you write about people uh, it doesn't have to be an obituary um, profiles all that sort of thing um, and if you like it it means you know, if you like interviewing people, uh, friends, families, or the, the people uh, who pundits, you know, people who will know that person, living or dead, then yeah, do it and read an obituary column if you can in your local newspaper. Uh, see the sort of things. Best to re- to to read them in in the, either the the Guardian, Telegraph times you know that uh there are certain magazines too um political magazines like new statesman and, and things like that who, who also do fantastic obituaries um yeah get to read them get a handle on them and uh, uh and if that tickles your fancy then then get as much in experience under your belt as you can i wish i'd done it now yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do actually. The, the, I do. The, I think I uh, love interviewing people. But yeah, I think you do. That I think that's why you do this podcast. You know, the heyday of the obituary actually was about forty years ago when um, the uh, obituaries used to be really stuffy. And it, in, in the old days, obituaries were, were the sort of thing you gave uh, somebody who'd, who'd you know who'd who'd insulted the uh, the boss's wife. You know, so oh, you're doing. You can go on obituaries now, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, but, but then, in the eighties, and in the, with the particularly with the in the new independent, when they all left, you know, Fleet Street and the, mm. the Times and the uh, Telegraph, they they really ushered in a whole new era. And the Telegraph used to to do these really irreverent. Um, obituaries where they're they're really gossipy and and so on and and they they became famous for using euphemisms you know for if instead of because obituaries used to be very like hagiographies you know just all 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 saying nice things about the person but then obituaries started to to make them more three-dimensional and and criticize them and sort of you know and it's much better if, if somebody's got a filthy temper you know and, and is well known for it you should put it in the obituary yeah uh, but you know the, the the telegraph are doing you know these wonderful euphemisms like you know um he gave colourful accounts of his exploits, which meant he was a liar. You know, <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> yeah. he had no discernible enthusiasm for human rights. You know, that meant he was a Nazi. Well, that's <laughs> or, the nice thing about writing for a newspaper, I guess, over something like the BBC. You can, yeah, be a you, bit more you, playful. you, you, you yeah. don't, you don't have the time anyway. You know, the one mm. I particularly like is that. Uh, it, 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 there was an old windbag who, who somebody was writing about, and he described him as a. His, he relished the cadences of the English language, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's a, it's a, they had a lot of fun, you know, doing that sort of thing. Um, it's such a nice job. Well, um, I've enjoyed this. It's been dead good. Yeah, dead good. <laughs> yeah, dead good. And, um, I am, um, yeah, I think. And do you know where people could find out more if they're listening? Obviously, you can go to the National Union of Journalists to find out how to be a journalist. But yeah, like you said, you, you can. The National Council for the Training of Journalists, uh, NCTJ, is, is okay. a very good place to start to, to learn how to get into journalism school. And uh, the, the problem is, there aren't many local newspapers around. But if you uh, was to send something into it, to an edit about somebody you knew, a local personality that you knew, and you could write mm. write something about them. That that's always a you know maybe a good thing to do. Yeah, because I think I mean a lot of people are their own publishers these days. They dad, you know, they're on TikTok, they're on mm. social networks. But I think still obituary is still a bit 
classic media really isn't it yeah it is really i think yeah. i don't know i think people in their own way put together montages and and pay homage you know through videos and things to famous people but there's a skill in being able to bring the story to life which mm. a journalist does yeah i mean you know i i, I knew one american guy who who uh he would always have stock questions to to each person he interviewed about a person. It'd be things like, you know, what what brand of whiskey did he drink, or what, what was his favourite chipple, or what what brand of cigarettes did he smoke? You know, all all those sort yeah. of what football team did he support? You know, all, all that sort of thing, and um, it can gradually build up. A, a three-dimensional person uh, and um, give it colour and stories are great. I mean, you know, and they don't have to, it's not all sad. I mean, I remember interviewing uh, a radio producer who had this radio programme in uh, up north somewhere and he, when he was a kid, his mother, who had a drink problem, but I didn't mention that, I was asked not to mention that. Um, but she used to drop him off at the, I don't know, the Batley Emporium or wherever it was, uh, where they would have a, a different comedian perform every day. And he got to know every comedian in pretty mm. well in the in the north of England. And the last person he ever interviewed on his radio programme was the first comedian he ever saw. And he asked the comedian to tell a joke that he had told on that day and he mentioned the day and I asked his widow I said do you remember the joke and she said yeah yeah and I said oh tell me because I'll put it in the obit you know so she told it me it was about a bloke walking across a field in Yorkshire and he says to the farmer if I go across your field will I make 1230 train and the farmer says, "Well, if bull's out, you'll make the twelve o'clock." Oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> and 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 I think if you can get and that appeared in my garden, yeah, nice. and and you know if you can get little nuggets like that. Mm. I mean, I remember I interviewed a guy who I vaguely remember uh, at the BBC called Bob Friend. He then went to Sky News and used to present the news on Sky News. And he was an incredible man. I mean, he was a, uh, he had this habit when he was a young reporter of barking like a dog. They, they used to call him Barking Bob. Um, he went, what? he went, to, when he was a young journalist, he went to interview the then Chancellor of the Exchequer at his house in London. And he, uh, the, the Chancellor was quite uh, generous with the amount of whiskey he gave him. This guy, Bob Friend, then, started he got drunk and started barking and he wandered into the garden climbed up a tree and started barking what? i mean yeah i mean you know <laughs> uh the, the poor chances there's a photo of the poor chances wife looking up you know rather concerned <laughs> about him and that to phone up his editor at three in the morning to coax him down you know and and this guy uh he maintained his sort of practical joking i mean he used to go into butcher shops and buy a pig's trotter and then he used to hide up his sleeve and then whenever he he was introduced to somebody he used to uh proffer it and Ooh, shake and, and one woman in uh, I, I think the wife of the mayor of belfast actually fainted <laughs> and i mean but why like, how come well, he was allowed like, to do it well, well as a bbc journalist uh, I don't know whether that, that I, I don't know. Well, I mean, he he, he was he was that kind of uh, he was that kind of person, you know. He 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 was actually the BBC's correspondent in Tokyo for a while, and when he applied for the job as Tokyo correspondent, he walked into the interview room and sat on the floor, you know, Japanese what? style. Oh, mean, okay, was, well that's fair enough. Yeah, well, I mean, that that's a sort of you know, <laughs> people like that. When you get they these stories, yeah. When you get these stories, it tells you about something i mean yeah you know, that's really nice i mean you know if you find out from somebody that that person didn't like foreign food or, or something like that then that that says something about him doesn't it mm. you start to build your own picture yeah yeah and so you you're, you're always looking for these little little nuggets you know 
What was uh, just last question? What was your favourite obituary you ever did? Well, that one that I just mentioned was one. Um, I also did. I wrote these written ones. Um, I also wrote one about a correspondent called Anthony Lawrence, who who used to be. Uh, uh, he, used to, he reported on the on the Vietnam War, and he was based in Hong Kong. And he had wonderful lines, you know. You know, he he described colonialism, for example, is it's when you go into somebody's country and take over without asking their permission. And you know, little little lines like that. And uh, mm. I remember, uh, as far as the um, telly ones, I think actually. There were a couple. Uh, I, I liked the one I did with Sir John Gielgud, the actor, and I enjoyed the one that you pressed the button on, Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly. Oh, that was yeah. a good one. And yeah, I had to got... wait a hell of a long time for, to watch that one. Yeah, but it's just wonderful going through all his films. and Muhammad Ali the, was a great these... one. Yeah, that was another good one. Yeah. 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 No, there, were, there were so many. I, I can't remember them all, but... Uh, you know, I look back in with great fondness of those days. Well, you can start having a think about what you want included in yours. Well, I think I'll <laughs> say at the end that, you know, um, always lead a good life. Um, always be kind to your friends and family and make sure that your daughter pays me back the million pounds that she owes. Oh, me. yes. I wouldn't hold your breath, or maybe you should. <laughs> we'll get the obituary ready. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Okay, it's been nice take... to see you. Thanks for thanks for giving us the the real insight into the world of the obituary writer. Well, thank you for asking me. That was my dad, Bob, Bob Chaundy. Uh, you can learn more about him because he has his own podcast and website. He is actually now an arts journalist and reviewer, and he runs ConsideringArt.com, really popular podcast, more popular than mine. Um, where he interviews different artists about the work they do. So check it out if that's something you're interested in. And thank you so much for listening. Let me know what you think on social media or reach out on email. Um, I love to get any feedback on what people think and if they took something away from the chat. See you next week. <laughs>